120 of the Black in Fashion podcast. I know you guys have missed us a, a couple weeks, you know, took a little break, but now it's time to get it back popping. Um, I hope you guys have caught up on all the different episodes that we have. Um, make sure you send in your Black notes. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your feedback. We want to talk to you and also just like lend some advice to all of these amazing different creatives in the world. And it's, you never know, um, who can actually benefit from your story, you know? So share your story, share your highs, your lows. They can be submitted anonymously and you never know how your story may actually help another individual. So today I am joined with Jasmine of Art. Say hi, Jasmine. Hello. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. All right, let's let me get into Jasmine's bio because it's dope, okay? So, striving to push the style agenda with disruptive conversation starting products. Art was built on the back of a hustler, a dreamer, a tastemaker, and now the culture of undeniable and impressive women in the pivotal catalyst of its growth. The visionary and creator of the brand, Jasmine, has an impressive background in fashion marketing, specializing in high profile and luxury brands. Art was brought to fruition in 2018 in her Harlem apartment from a desire to make space for herself in the industry on her own terms. She, was crea she has created a brand motivated by Black women who take up space and design with quality, style, and budget in mind. Their standout shoes are the topic of conversation as women are celebrating with the product offerings that are loud, proud, and accessible. Boom. Boom. <laughs> I love that. That was great. Thank you. Not a problem. So before we get into any episode, I'd like to start with a little icebreaker, especially because I know you're a style maven. So it's called this or that. So you're just going to okay. tell me something that you like over the other. Okay. So here we go. Skinny leg or wide leg? Wide leg. Side boob or under boob? Mm, under boob. Studs or hoops? Studs. Fedoras or berets? Oh, uh, <laughs> Fedoras. That's a good question. Fedoras. And last uh, but not least, uh, a wedge or a mule? I'm going to go with mule because that is Archie's bestseller right now. <laughs> I heard that. Okay, amazing, amazing. So if you just want to start by telling us just a little bit about your background, um, you know, we, I know you grew up in, did you grow up in Harlem and did everything just, the apartment started in Harlem? Like, I just want to know where you're from, you know, where you got your inspiration from, um, and let's start there. Sure. So, no, I didn't grow up in Harlem. I actually grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, um, and I moved to New York for college. Gotcha. And so my apartment came post-college and I moved to Harlem. I love Harlem. Um, and that is where the idea of Arch NYC was birthed. And um, background, so like I said, I went to school at LIM College in New York. Um, so oh, I, ooh, I went there too. That's why I, really? I moved to New York in 2014 when I was 25. And I went to LIM to get my master's actually. And I also moved oh, to Harlem. Nice. And I also moved to Harlem on 139th and Lennox. <laughs> wow, I was on 135th. Oh, no, no. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. I loved it there. I loved it there. I, mm -hmm. I didn't actually move to 135th until like 2016. I was on um, 96th. Oh, you was up. Oh, not about a park. 
Yes. Okay. I was on the east side of Harlem for a long time when I first moved to New York. Nice. Um, but yeah, I was moved to 135th uh, once I graduated. But that's so funny. Yeah, I love LIM. I, mm-hmm. I contribute a lot of what I've done so far or what I was doing um, to LIM. I think it's a great school. I'm always gonna I'm always gonna cape for them. I really am. Uh, so it's so funny that you went there. But when I moved, I went to LIM and I started interning. I interned probably every year that I was there. Mm-hmm. And then I started working after I graduated in fashion corporate. And so I had the opportunity to work for brands like Chanel and Burberry, um, Kate Spade, uh, Calvin Klein. And- I worked for Calvin Klein too. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, handbags. I'm really surprised that we never uh, crossed paths prior to this. Right, right. I know, right. I worked in Calvin Klein handbags, so I worked for G3 because they had the handbag license. Okay, so mm. I did Calvin Klein jeans, but you know, the women's jeans were licensed through G3, so I did work with the G3 team. I was emailing them all the time. Nice, though. <laughs> That's funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, small world. Fashion is a small world. It is. Uh, so, yeah, but um, that's kind of where my start happened with, with Fashion Corporate and everything. And I was just running into a lot of, you know, layoffs and uh, not moving as fast as I wanted to, not growing the way that I wanted to uh, at companies for various reasons, you know. But I think what I noticed the most was that I was a young black girl and I was overlooked a little bit. And so I started arts really out of wanted to carve my own space in the industry. Like it really started from like wanting control mm-hmm. um, and being able to be as creative as I wanted to be, being able to call the shots and, and move up, you know, be the CEO of my own company because it felt like every time it was time for me to be promoted or, you know, get a raise or something, it was always some, are we cussing your show? Some uh, BS, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, coming along with it and so that's when art started i actually started art in 2018 and um it was i started as a white label company so what people today call wholesaling mm-hmm. when you um, are purchasing inventory that's already created and i was just customizing it like you know changing the colors or changing the heel height or adding this and adding that and, and it was good it was good to start there because my background in fashion was business not design gotcha. and so it gave me kind of like a good uh, context into that part of the industry but then quickly I was like you know I want to create my own stuff I I want my designs to be one of a kind like I described them conversation starting and that really comes from putting a shoe on a person's foot woman's foot that if they walk into a room and they don't know anybody or they walk into a room and they don't feel like they know what to say to start the conversation the first thing someone will say is like oh I love your shoes mm-hmm. and then from there you know that's your that's your icebreaker. That's your way in um, to have whatever conversation that might be. And that's me thinking of, again, my background at LIM, always networking and always being in a crowd of people. And it's how do you stand out from the other 300 girls in here that's trying to get an internship or a job or a connection. Um, and so that's where most of that stems from. Nice, nice. It sounds like you're young. Do you mind if I ask how old you are? I'm 27. I turned oh, 28 okay. soon, so nice. I might have a little bit of a baby voice. But you do, you do. It's I a love banana peel to 30 over there. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Love that. I see why we didn't cross paths because when I went to LIM, I was in my master's program, so I'm a little bit older than you. I'm 33. Okay. Um, so that's probably okay. why. And when I worked at G3, it was like 2016, probably when you were still in school. I was just graduating. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in 2016, I was working for Kate Spade, so yeah. Yeah, I wasn't at Calvin Klein yet. 
Gotcha. It makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. So tell me a little bit about your um, transition from, you know, creating wholesale and then to then get into like the product development process when you're making your own. Did you have to start like USA bound? Did you start like doing your things overseas? Like what did that process look like for you? Yeah, so no, I started overseas. Um, that took a while. That was not a quick process, I have to be honest. And um, I actually started it right before the pandemic hit. Gotcha. So it has not been the process that I think most designers have because I've been dealing with COVID during the process. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Um, but so what I did was actually I... Um, went to an event in Brooklyn for shoe designers and there was a company there that is a product development company. And so I worked really closely with them and they are kind of like my uh, liaison between me and the overseas of the factories because they had already established the relationships. And yeah. so instead of me researching factories and finding them, you know, on my own, I teamed up with them for them to find factories that fit my aesthetic, that fit, you know, what I was trying to do with the brand, fit my MOQs, you know, fit the type of shoe that I was trying to make. And so they helped kind of bridge that connection. What's the name um, of this company? This is Shoe Girl Studio. Um, I still work really closely with them. Um, and they are my currently my full time product development team. They help me um, produce all of my shoes. And again, they've been like a really huge help because my background was not design. It was business. Gotcha. And so to have this bridge kind of, you know, expedite the opportunity to be working with factories in Spain and Greece, you know, um, where else am I right now? Brazil and a few other places, you know, that was just like a really, a really great stepping stone in, in the path of arch. I love that. And you said it's called Shoe Girl Company? Shoe Girl Studio. Shoe Girl Studio. It's funny because what you just described, I never heard of Shoe Girl Studio. That's what I do. But I do it for oh. apparel. I do it for apparel accessory. I own a company called LC Apparel Consulting. And that's, and that's what we do. Um, and we work with um, factories. But a lot of the stuff we do is USA bound. So we do a lot of manufacturing here because we're working with new designers. So a lot of the factories we use are in New York, LA, Dallas, Atlanta. And we do all of the pattern making, sample making, fabric sourcing in-house. And then when they're ready for production, we decide, you know, we know what, depending on their pricing strategy, what's the best place to take them. Should they go to our Mexico factories, our right. domestic factories, our Italy, all of those too. So that's very interesting. I had never heard of shoe girls because we don't do shoes. We only do apparel and accessories. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. shoes is so expensive in the U.S. Like, yeah, I can't say it. <laughs> my shoes made in the U.S., I would have to charge so much for them. And my whole pricing structure is really based around um, women be able, being able to afford luxury. Mm -hmm. And not that I, I'm saying that we can't because, you know, surely my target customer can. But it's just about not having to spend a thousand dollars every time they want a nice pair of quality shoes. Right. Know, and they want a luxury experience and they want a, a brand name that is, of you know, the best quality. Mm -hmm. um, because I just feel like when I started Arching, even now, more so than... I'm in a place in life where it's like, I don't want to buy fast fashion stuff. Like, Absolutely. I want to buy quality pieces. I want to build my wardrobe. I'm buying stuff that's less trendy and more specific to my style, stuff that I would put on in five years and still be like, oh, yeah, I love that. Like, I love mm -hmm. that bag. I love that pant. Like, 
Absolutely. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of where Arch comes from. And that's why I build it overseas because I can get it made still in the best quality, but a little bit less expensive than it would cost to get it made in the U.S. Yes. If it was being made in the U.S., then it would be up there with the St. Laurent's and, you know, in price point. What was going overseas? Did you have to have like a, was there an MLQ that you had to stick to or did, was there no MLQ? No, um, every factory has a different MOQ, and I negotiate my MOQ. Like, if they are allowing me to keep it low, I'll keep it low because my whole thing is uh, curated collections, curated gotcha. collections of footwear. And so, not that I want it to be an experience where it's like you can't get it because I hate that. I'm, I'm so against shopping experiences where it's like you have to rush, and mm-hmm. it's like at twelve oh one, it's sold out, and it came out at twelve. Like I can't with that. Yeah, but, that makes sense. Being a small business, being an emerging brand, um, I'm happy to have smaller quantities because not only does it allow me to test new product, mm-hmm. but it allows me to bring other product in and more colors um, and more frequently, especially gotcha. now that COVID is, is, I wouldn't say slowing down, but at least the factories are open opening back up. I'm not facing as many delays. So like new product can start to drop a lot more consistently than it originally was and has been. Dope, 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 yeah. A lot of the factories in the, of course, the USA ones, they don't have to play with up here, or at least they don't have no order minimum. So all the factories I work with don't have no MOQ. And the one mm-hmm. shoe factory that I do work with in LA, they are the only person that has a 250 MOQ, which is so annoying, and I have not and been doing really it. And that's really high. That's mm-hmm. really high. Like, that's way too much. <laughs> 250 of one pair of shoes, especially for an emerging brand, it's like, I don't know. I, I think sometimes factories have to think about who they're working with. Exactly. When they're accepting to work with you, they should consider where you are in business. Absolutely. Um, I would never encourage anybody to set an order of 250. Yeah. Of one I, shoe of one color, maybe yeah. 250 if you can break it up between two or three colorways. But one color, one shoe, I don't know. That's really tough. And yeah, I never. I don't <laughs> consider you an emerging brand you know like you are of the calvin klein's of the world like sometimes calvin klein places orders for 250 of stuff that's you absolutely know? right you're absolutely right no. about that that is definitely it it's surprising like um i would say when you were going through your, like, your development process and stuff like that because you already had a business background that you already have like your sales strategy your distribution plan you know did you already have a lot of those things already set in place or did you build it <laughs> alongside them like doing the manufacturing at the same time no, um, I did not have any of that in place. Honestly, I don't know how much I planned before I launched. I, I thought mm-hmm. that when I launched it, I had planned so much. But once I launched it, I was like, dang, I should have waited two more years. <laughs> I was like going through the punches so hard. And I mean, nobody on the outside knew that. But like, I have, I'm like, if anybody came to me, I was like, I want to start a business. And I was like, I, your business should be planned to the T. I mean, like. Three years out, you should have all of your plans together because I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it speaks to my experience. Like, I needed to fumble through everything so that now I know where I stand. Now I'm, like, you know, offering the product at the market in the way that I want to. Um, but I definitely did not have the sales strategy or the distribution strategy or any of that figured out. I don't know. I think I was. it was... 2018, I was young. I had some money saved up. My mom had gave me some money. My parents gave me some money to invest in, in the business. And I was like, boom, I got it. I got my shoes. I got my packaging. I got my Instagram, my website. It's boom, like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Like, very quickly was I like, hmm, 
But you definitely, but you definitely would say that you need to have that stuff from the get go. I find that you know working with small designers, that's what I do. Like in the last, let me give you some statistics real quick. You're gonna probably be wild. In the last two years, I have done product development for 325 black brands. Wow, that's and that's the whole process, like pattern making, sample making, all that stuff. Out of those three twenty five, girl, I may have twelve that actually oh. went into manufacturing. So that's where it's like you get a lot of people who they want to sample, they want to sample, and they're not necessarily prepared to do anything, especially the manufacturing costs, the marketing costs, the PR costs, the website costs, and you know, I constantly am, you know, trying to share information with designers and, you know, I'm very um, vocal about like, you know, you got to do this first, you got to do that first. But I find that sometimes is it that, you know, we're so in our head and we just push into like, just get something out right away. And then we don't think about the other factors, you know. So did you ever find yourself throughout the process just getting like really like antsy about it? Like, I need to do this, I need to do that. Did you give yourself like really like uh, distinct time frames and stuff? Or did you just like uh, let things flow the way they flow? So it honestly took me to get to get through my first year in business and for the pandemic to hit for me to realize what I really wanted out of my brand. When I got to a point where footwear was not moving because footwear was not essential, like people were not buying if it was not toilet paper, <laughs> and I realized that my product was sitting still, that's when I was like, okay. I realize now that I want my own designs. I realize now that I do want this to be like my career, my namesake, like this is my legacy. Like I do want this to be my real business. I want to quit my full-time job and I want to focus on this. When I first started it, I don't know that I had all of that thought out. For me in that moment, like I said, it was really about control. I wanted to control how my money came in and how I was like, it, it was that. So it, it kind of grew and what's the word I'm looking for? Transform, transition from a place of like, I want control of my life to like, okay, this is going to be my legacy. And so it took me to get to that space of really knowing what I wanted from the business to then be able to be like, okay, now what's the strategy? Now, where do you want the brand to be? What retailers are you interested in? What PR team makes sense? What PR strategies make sense? What's your distribution look like? How many MOQs are you actually going to do? Because when you're white labeling, I could have ordered as low as 10. Mm-hmm. And so I could have had 10 of one pair, 20 of another pair. Whereas when you are producing and now we're talking materials and we're talking expenses and costs and having to pay factories, they're not even going to look at you if I call them and I say I, I have a 10 order, 10 quantity order. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, to your first question, I would suggest for everybody to have that thought out. But I think it's about when you, where you are when you're starting. Like I said, I was young. I was My background was business, not design. And I was just like, I just want my own brand. I want to start my own business because I want to get paid on my own terms. And I want to be in control and all these cre- creative ideas that I have. I need to dump it somewhere. And I looked around my room one day, like, what can I sell people? What would they believe me? What would they believe in me for? And I came up with shoes because my shoe closet was crazy before I started my brand. Now I don't really buy heels that are not mine. But, um, <laughs> I feel like I'm cheating when I do that. So I don't do that too often. Although there are some really great shoes and I would, there are some, some black owned shoe brands that I do want to patronize um, and wear. But um, for the most part, yeah, I, I only wear my shoes, but yeah, it took me some time to get there. Um, it took me to have like my vision very clear in order to do that. And that's why now I encourage people to 
have all of that figured out because fumbling through it, I mean, it, it speaks to your tenacity and, you know, your story. And it's nice to see the growth projection of you and your brand. But why you got to start there? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely right. Like, why go through the struggle if you don't have to, you know? Exactly, exactly. And I would like to thank friends around me and people around me that have started businesses after that after me have learned that like okay let me have all my ducks in a row and I encourage them you know to have all their ducks in a row like they don't need to do it they don't need to struggle like I did and I wouldn't even say struggle I was just fumbling through it you know like rolling with the punches it was a learning experience I don't regret it I'm just you know (laughs) are you still based in New York or did you go back to Baltimore so I'm in Maryland right now um post-pandemic just because it didn't make sense to be in New York um and I'm still I'm still working so my office is closed I work remotely um and so it didn't really make sense to be there but I am back and forth in New York a lot because I shoot there all the time most of my connections are there um I do foresee me being back in New York in some capacity in the future because I do want to have my first store there um and so I'll have to I have to be there for that to happen and we're doing some events this year with the brand and, and those events are going to take place in New York as well. So nice. I'm not done there. I'm not done. <laughs> love that. Love that. So can you tell me about, uh, I have this little segment. It's called, it's a success. It's a disaster. Can you tell me about uh, maybe a story where, you know, you, something went completely to shit, but you learned something from it and it made you adapt a new practice into your business. Um, Yes. So I had a product that was supposed to come out um, and we placed a ton of quantities in it. Uh, It was probably one of my largest quantity placed based orders. um, And we got the product and it was faulty. And there was nothing that we could do about it. They didn't fix it. They weren't trying to help us. It it was a dead end. and so you can imagine how much money I lost mm-hmm. on both ends. One, investing in it, and two, not being able to sell it to make to recoup because I didn't want to sell faulty product. I very well could have, but imagine how many returns I would have fumbled through. Right. Um, and so I didn't do that. Um, but one thing that that taught me was if there are red flags in the factory, get out of the factory like the first i'm i'm a one strike shoddy now like (laughs) it's one red flag and i'm good on it because it's too expensive and i'm too committed i'm too dedicated my customers are too loyal and and too watching too much for me to be out here with faulty product on somebody else's end Mm-hmm. And it also is about that factory standards, and that is something that changed for me because for them it was fine. For them, they they were like, "These are sellable," and I'm like, "To who?" Right. <laughs> for two hundred and fifty dollars, to who? Right. Right. Because I'm I'm screaming that it's quality. I'm screaming that it's luxury. And y'all got fabric coming up, raveling up out the back. The strap is falling off. You know, like it's like. So that was a hard thing for me. I'm still swallowing that pill. My mama's still swallowing that pill because she mm. heard about it. Like, you know, that was a big blow to my business um, because that product did not come out, which me- which meant that now my collection was short, mm-hmm. um, which meant that I'm I'm losing money because I had planned for that product to sell through, right? To then 
pay for the next collection. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a huge monkey wrench. Um, And we are still feeling, you know, feeling that because it was, you know, I put my trust in that company. Right. Um, And for them to have ghosted me is like. Really? They ghosted you? Yeah, they ghosted me. They ghosted me. Um, What country? Um, This was Greece. Greece, okay. And that was my fault because. I had trusted that a contract was in place. I had trusted that these things was in and in, in, in tick tack and it just wasn't. On the back end, it turned out that it just things had not been signed. They had not been sent back. They had not been, you know. Um, and that was a misstep on my part because mm-hmm. as an owner, I, that should have been my first responsibility. But I'm so busy. You know, I'm controlling social. I'm controlling design. I'm controlling PR. I'm control. I'm doing 50 hats I'm you know Mm -hmm. I'm wearing 50 hats I'm doing 50 jobs and it just it slipped and because of that I wasn't protected and they effed me and so um you know that was a slip that was a disaster but you know every every disaster and that's why I like asking this question is because every disaster is a is a learning opportunity every time something messes up like within your business like you either grow from it or you let it and you know you know take over you and then you get you know sad about it you soak about it you know I feel like um, it's good to hear that like I, I I felt it, I'm recuperating for it and I you figured out a pivot. Like you pivoted and you just figured out something else and you ran with that, you know, but not to hold on to the weight of like mistakes that we make throughout our business, especially in the beginning stage, especially as a black owned business, like, you know, we don't we created the creative side, you know, but the business side and like some of the contracts and just wearing so many hats, you know, it, it distracts us at times, you know, and it's like you yeah. got so much and so overwhelming that it can be very, very hard. So I can tell you I'm right there with you, sis. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, totally. And believe me when I say, like, I'm hoping and I'm and I'm manifesting, praying that on the back end we're gonna look at that in a few years and be like, oh, that that couple thousand dollars, that you know, we gonna we gonna be alright. You exactly. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm hoping that that's gonna come back tenfold, and I and I do hope that they get their little their jeopardy, their karma because absolutely they knew what they they knew what they had done. Um, so that was definitely my biggest disaster to date. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. Well, you just I, I felt like you no, that was it. Like, and what you did to recover, like what you did to like what you learned from it, and you learned to just stay on stay on top of everything, right? Yeah, stay on top of everything, you know, um, definitely up your standards when it comes to your factories, definitely listen to your gut, your intuition, because mm-hmm. I had people that in place like, it's okay, let's just finish with them, it's okay, let's just finish with them, and it was like, the thing was, they weren't okay, and that mm-hmm. wasn't the first red flag, but I was just trying to make it work because I had already given them everything, and if you are working in footwear, you know, like, you already have all my materials. You have my last, you have my heel, you have my soles, you have everything. If I pick up right now, I lose eight, nine months of work. And footwear works on a 12 to 18 month time frame. Right. So like right now, I'm I've designed all the way through uh summer of twenty twenty three. And if I don't start fall of twenty twenty three in the next month or two, I'm late. Gotcha. Okay. Um, you know, so it's like I was at a place where I was it, it was go through it and have them, you know, hopefully figure it out or don't and have nothing right now. So, you know, another thing I would suggest is not putting all your eggs in one factory basket. So now I have diversified my factories. I have certain factories doing boots, I have certain factories doing slippers, I have certain factories Absolutely. doing heels. Um, and that's just, you know, just diversify. Don't have all your eggs in one basket because you know, even if it's not an example or a situation like that, 
COVID mm-hmm. alone, you know, that factory shutting down for weeks at a time, and then what do you do? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Um, I think it's the best to do, like, never put all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> Definitely have your standards all together and stuff like that. But in your business, too, like, we, you don't always, I ain't going to say always, but mistakes is going to occur, you know, and things yeah. are going to change, you know, and then it's going to make you change your perspective. Like, um, I feel like we, I guess we in the same time frame. My business grew a lot during the pandemic, too. Mm-hmm. I, I literally went from um, me being in my house, um, and I, I live in Brooklyn, being in the front room of my house, you know, making stuff, you know, for people trying to help people with, you know, product development and production, just because of me. Same same story as you, like, working in an industry, having the contacts, being able to do it, being able to manufacture stuff. And then, literally, I want to say in, like, four or five months, I had a mm-hmm. team of 10, and I moved to a commercial space, so 10 employees. And then I moved to another commercial space because, you know, we got so many clients in that I had 12 employees. And then now I have three, girl. And I have cut my team in half because I thought, oh, yes, the business is growing. The business is growing. I need more help. I need more people. And I lost sight of quality within it because I'm so focused on what you said, the marketing, the PR, the social, like saying on top of that, that I'm not heavily inside of the business seeing what's going on. And at the end of the day, it's my name. This is my business. This is my brand. And I hired all these people, you know, that's supposed to do right and supposed to do their job. And they wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see it, you know, but it's like now me having to like some of them left on their own. Some people are hurt low. And I'm just like, I got to start over because I got a lot of clients is now not paying. At the end of the year, I'm like fifty thousand dollars in the hole, and that being fifty thousand dollars in the hole, people not paying the invoices, they're not happy with the way their projects is going, or they don't, they're not being communicated with, or something is not right. They're getting discouraged, all these things, and I'm just like, what the fuck did I do? Like I wasn't paying attention, like I wasn't looking at like inside to make sure that things were right. I'm not checking in with the clients and having to rebuild and having to like change up my, you know, the way I do things and clients like that. So I still got all these damn clients because. This project was not getting done. And being on the time frame, like I like that you mentioned that, you know, as far as like the way shoes work, clothes is tighter. You got to get clothes, you know, within like a six week turnaround time, you know. Yeah. And then that product development process is only supposed to be like four to, you know, four to six months is like typically what I say to clients and stuff like that. Like it could be six months plus and it's been six months plus a lot. But I got clients that I'm still developing product for girl. They've been with us almost two years. Now, that makes no sense. You know, so it's like, why did it get here? How did it get here? And, you know, I like what you said, like encouraging people to like, like even small business owners, like stay inside of it. Like, I feel like for me, I tried to grow the business too fast and it was so fast. I was keeping up instead of just honing in and not offering so many services, not taking as many clients in and having like a smaller, like more near team and not putting all my eggs in one basket. You know, like I'm counting on these people to get stuff done and factories to get stuff done. And of course I've expanded and I have way more factories and many more resources now, but it's all like just a learning, even like having employees, which is like a big learning experience for me too. Right. And, but you know what, that's six in one hand, half a dozen in the other, because on one side of it, you need those people. You needed those people. Like, I have mm-hmm. a tendency to always be outsourcing for things. And um, it's probably happening a little bit faster than my business is growing. But mm-hmm. I need those people. I need those things because I truly believe that those things push growth. I believe that those things propel the business forward. Mm-hmm. I believe that those things allow me to focus on what I find to be most important, which is designing. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Because if the quality of the product isn't good, then none of those other things matter. But if I can't focus on designing and I'm late picking materials and I'm late picking colors and I'm having a hard time being creative because I'm worried about the social media calendar. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I get needing those people. I get putting that trust in all these other people in order to grow your business. So I think, you know, to your point and not necessarily being that you wasn't paying attention, but it just it just got a little bit quick it just got fast and Mm -hmm. you know i also think i'm also a fan of giving ourselves grace giving black women grace giving black business owners grace because it's hard and the the (laughs) to even begin it to even put it out there to even have something that you are so passionate about and it's so near and dear to your heart because you know be clear like this is our creativity these these are this is this is near to us what what i saw Miss Badu say, I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my stuff. Shit, yes, absolutely. You know what I mean? And so I, I like to give us grace because the rest of the world does not. Yeah, and I they don't believe that we can make a mistake and they don't believe that we can be late or that something could be delayed or that why they didn't do this and this quality was terrible with this. And, mm-hmm. and I found myself know. trying like not to take it personal, you know, like I feel like I, that's constantly me because I'm just, uh, I'm helping so many people and I got so many projects and I feel like, you know, every time somebody says something to me that, you know, is rude or mean or something like that, I get into, you know, I get in defense mode sometimes and I'm just like, I'm doing everything I can. Like I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm like, I'm trying to take designer dreams and bring them to life. Like I'm, and I work with a lot of people who don't have a design background. You know, so like my bachelor's is in design and fashion design, and then my master's is in fashion management and um mark and marketing. Mm-hmm. And trying to take someone that's not necessarily creative and really be able to capture what it is is like in their brain is not an easy task. So, you know, I feel like I'm constantly fighting with some of these emerging designers about, I'm like, this is the process. And then keep in mind, every time you make a change, every time you make an alteration, like, we got to go back. We got to go back and fix that pattern. We might have to go back and source a new material. Like, I just like, it's so hard to, like, even get them to see, like, yo, this is a lot of work, too. Like, making making clothes, and I make bags, too, that's a lot of work, you know? And mm-hmm. I don't feel like they, as small emerging designers, like, like the way I give them grace, I'm like, take your time. You know, sometimes they got to take a step back and think. Like, I need some time to think about this or that. And I give them time to think. But then, like, if I'm delayed or, like, a factory is late because I'm managing the factories for them, then it's like, hello, watering. You get, grinding get called all type of things. And this, and you, and competent in this. And I'm just like, but without me, you wouldn't even have this. You know, I can look at something and be able to construct it and put it together and create an entire uh, business and manufacturing for you and help you with your marketing, your PR, your design development and manufacturing and get your cost down. And when I tell you, I get a thank you very rarely, very rarely. Yeah. And you know what? To that point, I would I would suggest, um, you know, having a, a different standard when it comes to your clients. For sure. I changed that over. Oh, girl. Ooh, I tell you, I changed that. Honey, my cheapest package is $9,000 now to do the product development and the consulting. And it doesn't matter whether you got bags or clothes, it's the cheapest one because it takes that amount of work to, for me to educate you and do the services for you. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, it's unfortunate that it's gotten to a place where people are you know, everybody messes up. Like, I mm-hmm. get upset with my product development team, and they mm-hmm. know that. And I come to them, and I'm like, you know what? Uh, if I'm being transparent, I'm frustrated, and, you know, but I, it's never to a place where 
professionalism is lacked or, you know, disrespect occurs or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I totally, totally feel for you there. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. Um, hey girl, I'm I used to it now. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean, though? Like, again, business is small. Don't burn the bridge. Like, right. True. The fashion industry is so small. You should, like, nobody should ever be burning no bridges like that. Absolutely, absolutely right. Now, so tell me, out of the collections, what's your favorite shoe and why? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> you got I know it's probably hard to pick one. I need to pick just one. Just one, right? Just now. one is your favorite. Everything, available. literally everything that's shoe that, that's coming, that's past or present, what's your favorite? Okay, okay. Coming, I would say. So in uh, I'm releasing our next set, our next collection is released in July. Um, and this collection, there is going to be this swing back with this really special build um, on the soul of it. And I am really excited about that because that is going to be what I'm hoping, fingers crossed, is going to be my, like, red bottom it's my birkin it's gonna be you know my manolo um because i haven't seen that before i've Mm -hmm. seen other interpretations of it but not this one um and i'm really hoping that that's my shoe that's like that's her standout shoe we know when we see that whose brand that is um and i i understand if it doesn't happen in july but I plan to have that shoe in my collections for quite some time to come, and I plan to reiterate it with boots and other silhouettes. It's your um, staple, some of your staple piece. Yes, that is okay. going to be a core. That's going to be a core staple shoe, okay. uh, and that is my favorite. I'll haven't told anybody the name. I'll tell you the name. It's called. Well, this is an exclusive. Okay. Yeah, this is an exclusive. It's called Love Struck. Um, and so I am really excited about that shoe. That shoe came to me and I like had to figure out how to draw it out and, and get it the way I wanted. And the funny thing is it didn't start this way. It started a completely different way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has evolved into this design that I love a very, a very much. Me and my team work really hard on that. And everybody who has been involved has been working really hard on getting it crafted because I was very specific and we had to run through it multiple times. Um, even down to like last week, they were ready to, to, to pull the green light on it. And I was like, no, do it one more time. So I added three more days onto my timeline. But, um, yeah, I'm excited about that one. That was That's amazing. That's so. I need to. I was looking on your site. I'm like, we need to do a collaboration because I make like outside of my consulting business, I make handbags and I make a handbag too in the exact same orange that that mule is in. Okay. Um, and I, it's mine. Is, it's Italian leather and it's a crossbody and it converts to a clutch as well. And I got a one arm tote that converts to a clutch as well. One of them is Italian embossed suede, and the other one is like a um, cowhide leather. Oh yeah, we should yeah. definitely discuss it. I yeah. um tiptoeing into into bags very slowly. Um, not something that I had planned to release anytime soon, but I am obsessed with like novelty bags. Mm-hmm. And nice. um if I decided to do bags, they would all be novelty. Um it's so funny because you know the brand Judith Lieber? She has a ton of novelty bags that are really awesome. They're very beautiful and I and I love them. Kate Spade is also really known for novelty bags. Um but yeah, I would love to chat with you about that and just hear your experience more. I know um, the BNF 
people probably know all all about that. So no, I don't think they do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. That is okay though. Um, but whenever you want to do bags, girl, holla at me. I have a bag manufacturer that I use right here in the U.S. You can make one, or you can make five thousand if you want to. And they're right here in the garment district because I make uh, travel bags too. So I make like book bags and duffels and totes and stuff. But nice. if you ever want to tap into that handbag world, I got you. Nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. All right. So before we get up out of here, I have one more segment. Um, it's called It's a Muse. Um, is there anything that you'd like to share with our audience that whether it's an affirmation, a book, uh, a ritual, anything that keeps you motivated and keeps you going um, throughout your um, entrepreneur journey? Um. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being completely transparent with you and and your audience, anybody listening, you know, entrepreneurship is hard. Um, <laughs> and it, that's not something that somebody told me before starting. I learned that starting once I started, once I was in both feet. Um, I am surrounded by entrepreneurs. My, my mother is an entrepreneur. Um, some of the closest people to me are entrepreneurs. And um, it's going to be difficult. They're going to be hard days. You also got to give, like I keep saying, you got to give yourself grace. We're in a pandemic. The world is crazy. They had us in the house for two years, and then they're trying to pull us back out the house. <laughs> you know, um, consumer behavior has changed. People are looking at stuff different. It's so much that goes into it. You just got to give yourself grace. Be patient with yourself. If it's a day where you can't open that computer, you can't get to it, you know, the next day is a new day. Um, and I mean that because that's something that, you know, your creativity goes out. You are tired. You're drained. Mm -hmm. You know, mental health is such a, is, I believe it's mental health awareness month too. Uh, mental health is so important. And sometimes it's just not going to happen for you. And I say all that to say, keep pushing though. Like, keep pushing. You started, you started this for a reason. Like, find your why. Find your purpose. What's driving you? Like, what pushes you? What motivates you? Um, some of the things that I have to do is I have to work late sometimes. Like, sometimes I don't start until 8 p.m. because I just wasn't feeling it during the day. But, like, I'll work from 8 p.m. and I'll be up all night and maybe I'll sleep the whole next day. But that work got done. Like, it don't always have to be get up at 6. You know, like, if you yeah, can't you're right. up until 8 p.m., fine. And then, you know, bust it out 8 p.m. to 4 a.m., whatever it looks like. It doesn't have to go by anybody else's rules. It doesn't have to be on anybody else's time or anybody else's schedule. And it doesn't certainly have to be on anybody else's uh, mission and strategy and playbook because it's all going to be different. Like, my background was not designed. And, you know, there are things that I'm still learning because of that. But I most definitely plan to be a household true brand name regardless of that you know my my background is just different my start was different and i think that's okay um i think as far as books because i have been trying to challenge myself to read one book a month for almost a year and a half at this point and i'm not doing well <laughs> give yourself um, grace <laughs> exactly right right exactly but one book that I really, I, I just finished, um, I think I finished it like at the end of February. It's called Bamboozled by Jesus by Yvonne Orji. Um, she's Molly from Insecure. Yeah, um, I love her. That book, I read that book 
one chapter every morning. Um, and that, that pushed me, that book helped me get through a lot of design work, uh, a lot of, you know, emails and playing the other roles and other hands because it was just encouraging. It was motivating. It was just somebody breathing life into you, pouring into you. And I think as entrepreneurs, I need that. I know like, obviously we looking for sales and we're looking for bottom line, but you need somebody to be pouring into you with an encouraging word. And Molly, did that for me or Yvonne, I should say, did that mm. for me um, with that book. So I would suggest for anybody to read that. That's probably um, my top motivating book at this moment. Amazing. And last but not least, if you could just let us know any promotional, any events, anything that's coming up for you that you just want to share um, and the best place to contact you and how to stay connected with you. Sure. So um, Arch is, like I said, we are releasing our new collection in July. We do have our Moscow Mules, which is our bestseller out right now. I have slippers out right now. Um, love the slippers. They're super cute. They come in cow print, pink, and in green. Um, those are 15% off right now. They're 15% off from now until Sunday, uh, May 8th, Mother's Day. And, you know, I've been pushing those as great Mother's Day gifts. I have some people getting their moms a pair because they have a pair and they love them. Uh, you can keep up with Arch on Instagram at shop, Arch, A-R-C-H-N-Y-C. Um, and then also our website is www.archnyc.co. Mm -hmm. um, feel free to keep up with us on there. We're going to keep dropping. Um, I'm after the summer drop, things are going to be super consistent. You're going to see newness all the time. So lock in with us. Um, and my Instagram is at Jack's Lively. If anybody wants to get on there, I'm always talking to people, answering questions if you have any. Um, that's J-A-X-L-I-V-E-L-Y. Um, but that's about it. That's that's it for me. That's it from ours. Keep a lookout for us. Continue to support Black-owned businesses. Can you spell your Instagram one more time? You said J-A-X. My personal Instagram is J-A-X-L-I-V as in Victor E-L-Y. Got it. I just followed you. Perfect. Awesome. I'll follow you back when we when we wrap up. But thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. I of miss course. podcasting. Um, I had a podcast in New York with two of my friends. Mm -hmm. And um, I loved it. And I love your segments. I love your questions. This is This is great. Thank you. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad that we got a chance to talk. I love that you was able to share a lot about your journey, especially from a footwear standpoint, because I, again, a lot of people who talk about apparel, and you know, apparel is more of my world, but I love hearing about, I interviewed a girl who did like, um, I wear the other, um, my, like one of my last podcasts. I love us black girls tapping into all these different categories and there being yes. a category for all of us, whether it's eyewear, whether it's shoes, whether it's clothes. Like I just love all this black girl magic. It really makes yes. my day. <laughs> it's just it's everything for me. That's why I do this podcast. Like, you know, outside of my day to day, like my regular business or whatever. I'm like, I found this podcast just to share knowledge and experience and just help the next black girl. And I have a non for profit if you're ever interested. It's called the Black Girls Designer Club. We do brunches and we offer mentorship to girls ages six to twenty two. Um, we do a lot of different programs. The summer programs, I have an after-school program for at-risk high school teens. We do 
Lutetian fashion business and how to create their own lines and stuff. So we have girls in oh, other yeah. cities too. Um, I have a mentor and like a Eric girls in Texas and in Miami. So we're not just here in New York. We are based here, but we're looking for people like like yourself that can help mm -hmm. like the young generation of young women, black women, of course, just to, you know, be amazing designers and entrepreneurs. Yeah, no, hmm. that's awesome. Definitely keep me posted on that. I would love to chat more about that. Um, but no, it sounds like everything that you're doing is amazing. Thank you so much for this platform and continuing, you know, to give black girls a voice to even share their stories. Thank you. I appreciate it. So as I always say, guys, stay black. Peace out. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jasmine. Um, I'll definitely be in contact with you and I'll let you know when this episode drops next week. <laughs>